Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. This weekend and today, this morning's going to be different uh, in it because we're launching what we consider one of the most special times in the life of our church. And every year we take time to do this. Every year we stop and, and we want to look. And if you're new to venture, one of the things you're going to find out about us, we are passionate about what happens here. We love our weekends. We love celebrating, but we're just as passionate, maybe even more so about what happens from our doorstep outward. We absolutely care about what's going on in our community. And so we start it literally from our doorstep, from the neighborhoods all around us to the nations around the world. And God, through the history of this church, has led people to be passionate about what he's doing around the world. And so we take a time every year, and hopefully when you came in, you got a brochure, and in this, you got a couple of things. You can see some of the key things that we're doing, see key ways we can get involved, key ways that you can plug in. Every time during this year, we pray together as uh, individuals and as couples, and we pray about, hey God, what are you calling me to give over and above what I normally do through the support of this church? And we call it a faith promise pledge that by faith, we're gonna give that next year because it allows us to do all the ministry that we're doing around the world. And, and so this week, we're, we're taking a little break out of Romans. And I know some of you are like, oh, I love Romans. Some of you are like, when is he ever gonna finish Romans? We are gonna finish it this year. We're gonna take a break out of Romans, but, but what I want us to uh, look at one passage from it. In Romans 10, 15, when Paul says this words, he says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And remember when we talked through that passage, he's actually quoting from Isaiah. And, and that, that passage in Isaiah, it was talking about the people that were in exile. Remember the children of Israel were in exile for over 70 years. And in Isaiah, Isaiah makes this prophecy. He said, a messenger's coming and he's gonna stand on the mountain with this good news to these people that are in exile. These people who their lives are broken. These people who don't experience any freedom, who wanna be in the land of promise. The messenger's gonna come and he says, I got good news. You can go home. God has saved you. You don't have to live like this anymore. And see, Paul pulled that quote from Isaiah. He said, man, anybody that brings that kind of message, that's a beautiful life. And, and then he applied it in our context. He said, now, you know, we're not in Israel and no one's enslaved in that way. We're not in exile. But there's still a need for messengers who bring good news. In fact, a, a few verses earlier, you can see it on the screen there. Verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's our good news message. That's our message that he had said in this passage. If anybody believes that Jesus is Lord, if anybody confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that he raised him from the dead, we have this good news message that brings a message of freedom to the world. And, and so every year during Faith Promise, what, what we do during this season and this series you're gonna hear about, it's a little bit like scripture does. You know, scripture has these epistles like Romans, but a lot of scripture also has a lot of stories. In fact, I love the book of Acts of the stories of how that good news message changed the world. 
And Acts goes through 28 chapters. But if you know anything about church history for the last 2,000 years, man, it has never ended. And, and so over these few weeks, you're gonna have the opportunity to hear about in a living way how that good news message is changing the world. We've got different interviews, we've got different stories, we'll teach in different parts of it, but the whole morning will be a little bit different, so just relax a little bit. Some, some of you that you don't like change, embrace it. We're gonna change a little bit this morning. I promise you it'll be worth it because I think what you're gonna get to see is good news. You're gonna get to see beautiful messengers taking it around the world. And every time we do this, I'll, I'll just tell you for me personally preparing for this series and hearing it, my faith comes alive again because I remember this gospel is real and people's lives are being changed. And it, it, it's being changed in a way, when we talk about freedom, we're talking holistic freedom. People are being freed from slavery. People are being freed from a life where they're trapped in poverty. People are being freed where they never thought they had any hope because what's happening with all these beautiful messengers who are taking that good news around the world? We've got some key regions that we focus on. We strategically focus on them. And this morning, you're gonna hear about two of those strategic regions and some of our partners there. In fact, one of the first regions that we work in is in Mexico. Why don't you watch this as some of the highlights of what's going on in Mexico. Mexico is the most populated Spanish-speaking country in the world and is one of Venture's five focus regions. God is on the move in Mexico, as recent strides in native language translation have allowed people to read the Bible in their heart language. Missionaries are establishing new churches and Protestant Christians now make up 10% of the population. Ventures partners in Mexico are using creative strategies to build God's kingdom. In Juarez, our partners lead a ministry network that starts new churches, reaches out to teens, trains leaders, and rehabilitates cartel members. They are also in the final stages of renovating a venture-funded ministry center that will include an orphanage and new church. Other partners regularly train and mentor over 50 leaders in Northern and Baja, Mexico. In Southern Mexico, we funded the completion of a feeding center where over 7,500 meals were served to low-income families. Construction is underway for a teen outreach center on the second floor. This year, the mayor honored Venture for a partnership work in their community. One of our new partners works with vulnerable migrants who travel through Mexico by freight train. This train is known as the Beast or Death Train as the journey is dangerous and many are robbed, kidnapped, or trafficked. Our partner provides physical, psychological, and spiritual assistance to those affected. Over the past 12 months, they have prayed with over 100,000 migrants and rescued over 200 women from trafficking, with many receiving Christ. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. I, you know, every year I have a little frustration with these videos. Um, our team does such a great job. We could show hour long videos for each of these regions, for all the things that are happening. So you, you're trying to summarize in a short amount of time, 
but, but just as you heard there, thousands of meals that were served, training centers, center for, for youth, rescuing those who'd been part of the cartel and drug ministries and training them so that they can have a life. You're, you're gonna see a consistent theme in a lot of our regions. It's how do we intervene where there's real crisis? How do we train so that they don't have to keep living that way? How can they experience the gospel? That's one of the things with all of our partners is how do you come alongside and do holistic ministry that you are rescuing, but the greatest rescue is spiritual rescue of how do they experience the gospel of Jesus Christ? And today we've got one of our newest partners. You, you saw it there at the end, uh, Mundo Ministries uh, does a specific ministry that, that train the beast. It's this massive train that thousands of migrants, they travel on the top of it many times. They're very vulnerable. And so Mundo really targeted, how do we help these people who are, who are the most vulnerable in that? And I'm thrilled today, we, we have our partner, Marcellus Gonzalez, who leads this ministry is involved. He is in town and Marcellus has agreed to come on out and be interviewed. So let's welcome him. Yeah. So Marcellus, describe for people just a, a little bit. I mean, this okay. train, the beast, it's massive and just the migrants that are traveling on us. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, um, about 10 years ago, I was living by near the train tracks and I was out, out my window looking at the train passing by and I saw people on top of the train that really surprised me because it's a cargo train, a freight train. So I went out of my house, found the train tracks and met and I got to see 60 people. I remember seeing them and they were dirty, their clothes were torn, some had no shoes. So I asked them, I said, when was the last time you ate? because it seems they didn't have any money, you know. And the, um, one of them replied three days ago. And I said, where are you from? They said, we're from Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, parts of Mexico. And it just broke my heart. I remember going back to my house, emptying my closet, emptying my fridge, came back to the train tracks. And that day started what we call today Amigos del Tren Mexico. And it's a ministry that helps migrants in difficult situations. We help in the prevention of human trafficking because they're so vulnerable to cartels and human trafficking. Men are sold um, to work for free, free labor for the cartels. Women are sold into prostitution. Children are sold into child pornography and prostitution cartels. It's a really difficult time uh, as they travel through Mexico. So we are, we've been there for the past 10 years and we've been able to help over 110,000 people, feeding them and clothing them. And so they make, many of them come to Christ through this. We, I don't, I mean, I think a hundred thousand people at least have come to know Christ. Everybody prays the a prayer of confession, you know, and coming to Christ. So it's beautiful to see that. Then uh, we also we also work. I mean, for se for seven years I was doing this alone, but then God started bringing people. Today we're a team of fourteen people in two different cities of Mexico, and that just encourages my heart. And, and this. You were telling me this last year, you've had kind of a 
specific kind of word from God of, of how to help people specifically. Tell, tell, tell them about that. Yep. Uh, after the first day, I went to the train tracks. Uh, God spoke to my heart and said, to every person you see on the train tracks, give them brand new underwear and brand new socks. And he said, and you will see how I give them back their dignity. I didn't know what, what, what that meant, so I just obeyed. I went and bought underwear, brand new underwear and socks and went out to the train tracks. One day I was at the train tracks by myself and I see a lady. She's maybe 21 years old. She's really skinny. Her clothes are old. It looked like she you know, didn't shower for maybe a week. And she's walking on the train tracks coming towards me. So after feeding her and doing everything we do with them, uh, it's time to give them the underwear. And so I pulled the underwear out and I knew it was her size, but out of respect, I said, is this your size? She said, yes. And she grabbed the underwear and she started crying. And I said, why are you crying? She said, well, I, I'm from Honduras. I've been traveling. And she pulled her pants down a little bit to show me. She said, look, I'm naked. And she goes, thank you for giving me. And she said, I'm naked. I was raped the town before this one. And she goes, thank you for giving me back my dignity. I almost fainted right there because God told us that he would do that. And I, I, I really don't understand or know how can a piece of underwear can give somebody back their dignity. But I know that a piece of cloth in the hands of a loving, tender father can do miracles in people's lives. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I love just that vision of, you know, we're called to be the hands and feet of Christ and just the tangible ways you know, you're showing up. And, and like you said, it doesn't take much to, to restore hope for people or bring dignity in it. I, I'm, I'm excited to announce uh, as just last week, part of our faith promise giving from this year, we were able to fund the renovation of a house uh, that is gonna be in partnership with Mundo Ministry. Tell, tell everybody what's gonna happen there yeah. in that First location. of all, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank Absolutely. you for helping us towards yeah. the house, thank you. Um, yeah, it was a rundown place that we found by the train tracks. For 10 years, I've been praying and dreaming, telling God, God, we need a house. We need a house where we can have these migrants where to prevent them from human trafficking, from cartels that come and they get kidnapped and many, many things happen. So we, uh, we were praying. Um, we didn't know how it was gonna be answered, but thank you. And that house is, we just finished building the house where we will be able to have a soup kitchen so that people, migrants, people with addictions, because we also work with people with, uh, dealing with alcohol and drug addictions. We work with prostitutes and transvestites. We work, um, with people who want to commit suicide. So that house, that center, will be able to help all these groups of people. We will have 15 bathrooms and showers, uh, a laundromat where they can do their laundry for free, a place where they can come and have three meals. We can serve in that place at least 900 people a month with the possibility of even doing much more. I mean, it's just, 
that's what we calculated at least. And we we're going to have a dental, a, a dental clinic for free um, and many other services that, that God told us to provide that for people in need. Hey, you think that's a worthy investment? Yeah, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, here's what you need to know. You're getting a snapshot of just one of the locations where we're investing in Mexico. Same type of ministries are happening in Juarez, in Chiapas, whether it's an orphanage, whether it's a school. And it's happening because you've been moved in your heart. You wanna be a part of what God's doing around the world. And Marcellus, we're, we're thrilled that we get to partner with you. Uh, you're doing what we can't do. And so we love that we can come alongside and uh, be a part of that. And so before you leave, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for your ministry and just uh, thank God for what he's doing there. Father, we do thank you for how you're working across Mexico. Uh, we, we hear so many stories because there's so much need in places. We, we know what's going wrong. We see the impact of the cartels. We see the impact of so many who are displaced. We see the impact of those who are being trafficked and those who are vulnerable. And yet we also see these beautiful messengers, people like Marcellus who are stepping into it and bringing good news and showing up in tangible ways. Lord, I, I pray for this house. I, I pray that you would multiply the ministry there, that it'd be beyond the, the 900 that can be served. I pray for the thousands who will be impacted through it. I pray for those who are riding on the train. I pray for the 14 staff members they have. I pray for the oppositions they come up against. Uh, there are many who do not like this ministry because they're changing lives. And so Lord, I pray that you would protect them. Lord, we pray for Mexico. We thank you for the privilege of, of serving there. We thank you for the pastors, for the ministers, for the churches that you are growing there. We thank you that we get to be a part of it and we pray that you would multiply it. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Marcellus. Thank yeah. India is one of the world's most diverse countries with over 1 billion people and 89 unique religious groups. Venture works with ministry partners that use a diverse array of creative ministry strategies to build God's kingdom. These efforts include building Christian schools where students receive an excellent education along with opportunities to follow Christ, distributing over 350,000 Bibles in local languages in the past year, and establishing pastoral training centers where 2,500 future leaders were mentored and equipped for ministry in the past year. To build connections with surrounding communities, our partners run Christian sports programs, provide safe homes for rescued prostitutes, and facilitate drug and alcohol rehabilitation, medical camps, food distribution programs, and mosquito net distributions. In addition, over 1,300 graduates completed a skills training course. 90% of them landed jobs and hundreds accepted Christ. Our partners have led nearly 10,000 people to Christ in the past year, and over 2,800 followed the Lord in baptism. A key way Venture partners with the ministry in India is through student sponsorship. Here's one story. A Venture family has supported one student's education since she was four, beginning at a Venture Build School. She was one of only nine girls because at that time, parents were primarily educating only their sons. Our partners built relationships with the parents in her village over many years, and the number of female students grew. 
Now nearly 50% of those university students are women. She completed her undergraduate education and is now in a master's program to become a teacher, planning to work with the very missionaries who brought her to Christ. Today, you will have the opportunity to sponsor university students like her. Another partner ministry, Asha Jyoti, empowers at-risk women and men with employable skills, with many placing their faith in Christ and getting baptized along the way. They also help trafficking survivors by providing vocational training, spiritual support, and emotional counseling. Well, the second region we want to focus on this morning where uh, we've had the unique privilege to be able to partner is in India. And uh, when, uh, again, you know, I see a video like that and it's just hitting so many of the things out of it. We have significant partnerships across India. We've had the opportunity. And, the, and, and when I say all that, when I say we, it's because you and this church body you have grown in a passion that you wanna reach parts of the world. And so many of you have been there on trips. Many of you have been specifically connected to different partners in the different regions out of it. And we've seen God do significant work. As you, as you look at that, you go, hey, why does Venture do five regions? Well, as we prayed about it over the years, we, we really felt like, where are we seeing God uniquely use Venture? Where are we seeing unique partnerships? And how could we strategically invest in a few places really deeply? Now, when you walk through the church, you're gonna see pictures of missionaries that are around the world. We're sending out missionaries all over the world. We're not just limited to these regions, but we have seen God move in these regions. And so strategically, we wanna work and invest because we really feel like strong strategic investments. And when I'm talking, I'm $300,000, $400,000 in a year in a region in that. It allows us to see this transformative work. And we talk about the, the gospel being beautiful, this good news, you get to see it in action. And we've got different partners in India. One of our most strategic partners is a, a gentleman named Saji John. And you guys know Saji, he's spoken here before, we've had him. And he and his son, Ben, they, uh, the John Foundation in Hyderabad, they, they lead one of the greatest ministries that we get to be partner with because they are so creative. God is using them to come alongside, to meet people in the, the direst need, especially during the last year, couple of years during COVID. There was huge need that came out of it. To, to step in both educationally, to step into the poverty cycle, to step into biblical training, to step into skills training. And one of the things I love about Saji is he's always looking at how do you create, create sustainable ministries? We wanna create the kind of thing that it is gonna keep going regardless of where the funding is coming from because they so believe what God's doing there and God is using them. Uh, Saji's not able to be with us. He's there doing ministry, but he was here a couple of months ago, he and Ben, and I had the privilege of sitting down and interviewing them. And, and I so wanted you to, to be able to experience and hear from them directly. And so we're gonna listen to different parts of that interview. And so, uh, why don't we watch as uh, Saji just tells us what's been going on the last couple of years with their ministry. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Thank you for having us here. And uh, thank you also, church, for your partnership and prayers. Just want to say your prayers and your giving is impacting lives in India. It's transforming lives in India. And we are grateful to God for this partnership. 
definitely the Lord has been gracious to us in terms of growth and expansion. We were quite worried what will happen during the pandemic. Uh, but just, ju just to encourage you, I want to say just from 2019 to 2020, we grew by 27% and 20 to 21 by 18%. Now, everybody must have thought, okay, in the pandemic, we may have to shut down, programs may cut down, but uh, our, our employable skills training program for girls rescued from trafficking, girls rescued from temple prostitution, uh, the school dropout girls grew from 800 to 1,384 per year. There was a huge growth, and we introduced uh, three more skills training program, and uh, we have seen three more new businesses starting. Uh, we have started two more ch new children homes. So there has been growth. One of the great opportunity that God brought on our way, in fact, two. One is uh, when the pandemic ha happened, God allowed us to get involved in the community through food grain package distribution, mm -hmm. just sharing the love of Christ, mm -hmm. that just to tell them we are with you in this. And uh, that really helped. The other opportunity that God brought on our way uh, in 2020, the community brought 201 children who had lost their parents to COVID. Mm. 201 of them. Mm. And uh, the, the, these are the opportunities that the Lord has been bringing and growing the work. And, and to see so many of them in the midst of persecution accepting Christ. Mm. Today, it is not easy for a Hindu to say, I have become a Christian. They can be killed for it. But we have had number of people who have come to know Christ. Uh, I mean, we have had 70 baptism in one year in the midst of uh, the pandemic. We have had seven or eight new churches being planted every year in the last five years through our church planters training program. So there is persecution, there is difficulties, but God is on the move in India and we are seeing churches growing. As I hear it, and every time I hear the stories around it, uh, the things I, I, I'm so impressed with one, I love the holistic ministry, a vision of, okay, how do we use business so that we're not just rescuing people for the moment, you're training them for a lifetime so that they have sustainability, but it's also businesses that support your ministry, combined with discipleship, mm -hmm. combined with an outreach to the community, and then, then ultimately I know your heart is, how do we use all this to share Christ? Yeah. How, how did you get a vision for combining holistic ministry in this way, especially with business. You know, we've got a lot of business people in the church with that, and sometimes they forget how much those skills are transferable to ministry. When you started, what, what gave you a passion to create these kind of sustainable ministries? Yeah, uh, the, in fact, we have three main objectives. One, we want to make Christ known in everything what we do. That is non-negotiable for us. I won't expand on that because everybody knows what it means. but. I have been in missions for 40 years now, nearly 40 years. And in my mission work, two things I noticed that the mission agencies struggle. Our Christian work in third world countries, I have seen in two areas they struggle. One, when they minister to poor people or the beneficiaries, uh, many of the programs are not programs that can make the beneficiaries sustainable. Mm -hmm. So what, what happens is the ministries have to go on supporting them, go on giving them, go on helping them. And I realized very early on when we started John Foundation that there is no way we can go on doing this year after year after year because I knew 
the Indian government was going to stop foreign funding today or tomorrow or whenever it may be. So we had to find ways whereby the people whom we are ministering can stand on their own leg. So that really motivated me to develop our program in a way the people whom you are ministering can stand on their own leg. The other desire I had much before I started John Foundation is my heart always was heavy to see third world mission depending heavily on Western funding. And I always prayed, Lord, enable us to start a mission agencies that will be an example to third world missions whereby we can raise our own income to continue the ministry so that in the event of foreign funding being stopped, we can still continue to do ministry. We may not be able to grow in a big way, but at least we can continue to grow. And that's the reason why we started all the businesses and God has blessed us. So those key two are very key to us yeah. to make our beneficiaries self-sustainable and to make sure our operational costs are met through our own income in the local area. But in Venture Family, this is one of the reasons we love partnering uh, with Saji and with Ben, is we know any support that we give, it's multiplied. Um, because they have created a sustainable ministry for your mission itself, but then also for the people. And, and you know, you, you always want to, in any ministry, you don't want to just give a handout, you want to give a hand up. And, and I can say that unequivocally, that's what you guys have done. All the way across the board, it's not just handing out money, it's how do we train people? How do we give them the hand up yeah. that they're sustainable in life? And, and so you can know when we give, when we partner with it, um, Saji always takes those resources and multiplies it and creates sustainable resources there. And so that's why we love having this partnership with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, that's one part. We're going we're gonna to listen to a couple other segments with Saji and with Ben because it's so significant what they're doing. I, I, just one pause real quick. Uh, one, just know, have you ever sat on a stage and watched yourself on a video? It's really, ugh, it's, it's not great. It's kind of weird. Hey, here's Tim here, here's Tim here. But uh, I got to deal with it, so you deal with it too. But uh, one, one point I hope that you note out of that, and it's one of the things that we see in these kind of partners, um, Saji is an incredible businessman. And, and if he just wanted to apply those skills in any way, I have no doubt he'd be the CEO of a huge corporation there. But he's always using those skills to go, how do we create businesses for the sake of those who are around? And, and I just would hope some of you, as you see that, would recognize some of your innate skills do transfer to missions beyond just giving. You know, a buddy of mine, is a, he was the CEO of a, a Fortune 200 company and we would talk and he, he goes, I love missions, I love giving to missions, but whenever you guys wanna take me out of the country, here's the two things you want me to do. You want me either to build a toilet or hold babies and I'm not good at either one of those. <laughs> but I am really good at thinking strategically of how do I use these skills in the world. And maybe there's somebody sitting out here today, you go, you know, I would be interested in that. I'd love to use what I naturally am good at here, whether it's in technology, whether it's in business, in the ways. And look how we can come alongside partners around the world so that can be multiplied. Now in India, it's really tough right now because they're facing a lot of persecution. Um, the, the government, the federal government as a whole has really turned toward more of a fundamentalist Hinduism. 
And so it's always been persecution in different states, but they're feeling it countrywide. It's getting harder to be able to support ministries. Big ministries have had to pull out because of it. And so I asked Saji about the persecution that they're facing. Let's watch this. I mean, in India in the last few years, especially in the last five years uh, since the uh, Modi's government or the Hindu uh, fanatic government has come into power, they are really uh, attacking Christian church. Uh, We have had Christian churches being burnt down. So many pastors are being killed. Uh, They will just walk into even a house where we have prayer meeting. They will just come and break the chairs, break the sound system, uh, beat the people with sticks. That physical attack is taking place on a daily basis. Mm. And um, I mean, we just accept that now as part and parcel of being a Christian in India. Mm. But more than that, the government is changing uh, laws, uh, constitution, and they are bringing, bringing amendments and compliance issues which makes very difficult for Christian ministries to function. Mm -hmm. Especially one of them is what is known as FCRA, Foreign Contribution Act, where we can receive foreign money. They have canceled or removed the license of more than 50% of Christian ministries today, including Mother Teresa, Compassion International, so many big ministries like that. They are just looking for one reason to shut a Christian ministry. So the attacks are twofold. One is physical, the other is through amendments in the law and constitutional changes. And I I would just encourage uh, us as a church, we need to be praying on both of these. Um, Just just praying for the people of India. You know, you you say it, you know, you've accepted physical persecution as part of life there. And uh, that's probably a wake up call for us. Uh, some of the times that we think we're under things and, and you see our brothers and sisters around the world and what they're facing and we need to be praying for them and pray specifically about these laws. Uh, it really is impacting ministries all over India. In fact, I, I heard, talked to someone recently and, and they were sharing that a lot of the money that was used to uh, put the, the fundamentalist in power actually came from the Bay Area. It was young people who moved to the Bay Area and they were converted to very fundamentalist Hinduism here. And then out of that, as they're making resources and making money here, they're, they're sending it back to India. And so it's having an impact there. And so I just challenge us as a church, uh, we're partnering in two ways. One, we wanna pray with them, we wanna support them there. But the outreach that we do here with our neighbors, the, the, the people that you may have a neighbor or a friend, and they're from India, the opportunity to share Christ with them may have a broader impact than we realize. And so when we talk about this mission of reaching the Bay Area, it really is a mission that reaches the world as well, and we wanna be a part of that. You said, though, that one of the protections that you have, um, even though there's persecution, there's so much goodwill of your neighbors and people because their lives have been changed by the ministries. In fact, I heard you talk about a, a, a gentleman that was on a bicycle. To tell, tell that story. Yeah, I mean, uh, because uh, though we do a lot of Christian work, and in fact, we share the love of Christ in everything what we do. That's why we exist. There is no compromise on that. But we don't publicize that on our social media or on our website just to protect ourselves from the government attack. The other protection that we get is because 
we were able to train thousands and thousands of young girls and young men in skills training program so many of them in our community have got jobs because of us and uh, so they become like a protection for us in fact i use them as a protection wall when some attacks or something come these ladies come and protect us they say look these people are doing good they have given us job they have they have brought peace into our family in fact the story what you were referring that's a normal thing i experience almost every every week uh, but this story was one day i was walking uh, uh, on the road in the evening for a evening walk and i saw a man speeding on his motorbike and when he saw me he just took a u turn came and stopped in front of me and he said thank you sir i said thank you for what who are you and uh, he said to me look i am the husband of so and so my wife uh, went to your computer ms office class two years ago we had so much fight in the family because i was just working alone my wife didn't have a job and we could not pay the school fees and rent there was so much tension every evening and then he said look now that after the course at your place uh, my wife got a job as a computer operator today she gets a salary she came to know christ we both go to church and as a family we go to church today and we don't have fight in our home anymore we are able to pay the rent we are able to pay the fee that's why i want to thank you i said oh that's wonderful but that's that that happens to me almost uh, every week uh, yeah. people coming up to me say thank you for what you have done well and, and i think it shows uh, you know the value of the holistic ministry uh, that that you approach people and you you meet them at the needs where they have and then that opens the door for the gospel it opens the door for healing a family and a home and to see that multiplied i mean you know every time we talk to you guys the thousands of stories whether it's a kid that's been rescued, whether it's a woman who's brought out of sexual slavery, whether it's a, a, a husband who's been trained in job skills for the first time, and then you combine that with the gospel, the power of that really is amazing to see and what God's doing through it. Yeah, and when you hear that, uh, yeah. Again, it's, it's hard for me to paint the full picture, but when I'm talking about holistic ministry, we're, we're talking about ministries like Saji's all across India. And, and so, you know, in Calcutta, we, we've got a, a drop-in daycare center for children of the sex trade. That they've got a place to take their kids to be safe. They're doing relief work in the slums and the train station. There's a Christian school for homeless children now because of the efforts there. In Northern India, these, these leaders who are going out to reach unreached people groups, Acts is one of our key ministries We've got a Christian schools outreach. We're able to fund for students, for university students to have the tuition and the training and a Christian pastor to mentor them. And so many of us are sponsoring the opportunity to sponsor today even out of it. When you look at Chennai, of what's happening, outreach in 18 villages through food support. In Lucknow, targeting church planning and, and evangelists who go out and they're, they're creating in communities who've never experienced this before. This, this ministry that's just all over this country of India because of the passion and the partnership of people like you and your support here. I want us to look at one final segment with, with Saji as I just asked them about, hey, what's next? What's next for you guys? How are you praying and how could we be a part? Let's finish out our interview with them. Uh, two, three things, uh, Pastor Tim. Uh, one, 
we want to continue to be in a position how we can share the love of Christ in a creative way, mm. out of the box. And I feel that's very important for India with the persecution, with restrictions. That's why we are introducing beauty parlors. I'm just giving one example where we have ladies who are church planters at heart, but trained as beautician. The highest, uh, the largest group that is unreached in India today are the middle class Indians, middle class and upper middle class Indians, especially the upper middle class ladies. There is no access to minister to them. And we said, we will start this high-end beauty parlors where these ladies will come. If you go to their home, the husbands won't allow us to talk to them. But if when they come, two hours, they are, they are our captive audience. Mm. And they are sitting there, nobody disturbs them, no husbands disturb them. But our girls who are beautician, who are also church planters, have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Especially when the ladies have everything on the face and they are covered, two hours they can't do anything but pay to hear the gospel. And I think we want to do more and more of those creative kind of evangelism where we can reach communities, other which would have been difficult to reach. Yeah. The other thing which we want to do is during COVID season, we realize there are hundreds of church planters who may not be highly theologically trained, but very passionate to go and plant a church. And during COVID, uh, many of them were struggling. They were struggling because they didn't, because they survived on the weekly offering. And when the churches shut down, they didn't have money to survive. So we are bringing those church planters' wives and the rural pastors' wives and training them as a nursing care assistant, as a lab technician, as a pharmacy assistant. We can do this in six months. Mm. That will help these ladies to go back to their place of work. It will bring in extra income for church, uh, the pastors to continue in the ministry where they are. Two, it will also connect them with the local community to reach out to the people. So uh, that is something else we are planning to do. Another thing we are planning to do is we are bringing these church planters to our campus for three days. Because during COVID, we saw so many pastors discouraged, wanting to leave the ministry. We want to bring them back to our campus, give them rest uh, and just renew their spirit and help them to go back to the field with a renewed commitment to plant more churches. And one thing they're asking is, can you give us some Bibles to give to our new uh, believers? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my heart desire is to give at least 25 Bibles to each of these pastors. Mm -hmm. Go, give it to your new Christians, new believers who have come to know Christ. Now, these are some of the things that we are thinking of. Uh, another thing we started is the school where we uh, give education to children in our children home, but bring in other children who can pay the full fees, help subsidize our children fees, at the same time pay to hear the gospel. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is, we are trying creative ways where we can do, reach out to people and evangelize them in a sustainable way. Yeah. And at the same time, give them an opportunity to hear the gospel. Otherwise, they would not have that chance. So those are some of the things that uh, we are thinking of doing. Well, and, and, and every time I hear your plans and, and stories around it, and this thing that you need to, to just realize as a church, when these guys say they're planning something, they do it. In a season where it would be so easy coming off of COVID, with persecution, with the challenges that are there, and, and it always energizes my faith to hear about it because I, I just see you step out by faith. 
you see an opportunity in front of it, you, you figure out how do we use a resource, and so we have these conversations where you say we're planning it, and then the next time we talk to you, you go, oh yeah, let's tell you about the beauty problem, let's tell you about all the things, and, and I think part of that is it's not just your gifting, you're uniquely gifted, but I think it is also you, you both are men of faith, and by faith you really believe that when God gives you these visions, let's step out in it and trust him with it. And, and because of that, that's why there's so many ways that you're touching so many different lives in that. Hey, as we wrap up, just I'd love to hear from both of you. Um, your challenge to our church, uh, in light of what God's doing there, what, what do we need to hear? And maybe something that you'd want us to uniquely, as a church, either be praying about or just that you'd want to say to us in light of what God's doing in India. Ben, I'll start with you, and then Sajju, have you wrap us up with it. Yeah, uh, church, I mean, we are so grateful for the way you come, you come along and partner with us. Your giving, your prayers is making a difference. And we, we're so encouraged every time we hear of uh, the prayer meetings that are happening, up, specifically praying for our needs. I think one thing that I would say, uh, or I would like to say to the churches, you know, God calls us as the global church to be his hands and feet, whether that is here in, in California or whether that's back home in India. There are orphans and there are uh, young women who are struggling, who are in need of justice and mercy. And as a global church, we want to partner together with you to be able to reach out. And so I want to encourage you to continue to work along with us, to continue to pray along with us, uh, to enable us to continue to do what God has called us to do, because we are seeing the church continue to grow in the middle of persecution. And your prayers is making a difference because the church is growing, even though we are struggling uh, with all that's happening in India. And so we're so grateful for that. And we just want to call you to come alongside with us and continue to partner with us in being his hands and feet there in India. So that's, that's something that I'd like to share with you. Yeah, absolutely, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, as I think of uh, the church in the US, uh, one or two things that come to me is, church, don't take God for granted. You have the privilege of worshiping him and serving him, continue to do it. Because there are churches around the world who can't even come together to pray or worship together. And the other thing, I have always asked God or thought in my mind, why the nation of US is blessed so much? And the thought keeps coming to me. I think the blessing is because of what your forefathers did. They feared God, they revered God. I mean, I, to the little knowledge I have, they added some of those things into your constitution and giving dignity to God. I know some of that is losing away now, but uh, that, that blessing what your forefathers have done uh, is, is here. And, and what you do today will be there for your grandchildren. So church, don't give up. Hold on and continue to do. And uh, I would really request you all to help us with some Bibles for the pastors, rural pastors, really. I'm thinking of just, I, my heart goes out for them. I want to send them with 25 Bibles, everybody pastor who comes to my place. Uh, so if you can help us with some Bibles and to start a pharmacy assistant, these are all six, $7,000 to do. And if the church can help us to start a pharmacy assistant course where I can empower the wives of church planters, wives of rural pastors, so that they have extra income, they have an avenue to reach the people. Uh, those kind of things will really help us. And we are grateful to you for your prayers and partnership. And as I said, that your giving, your prayer is impacting lives. Mm. Your giving and your prayers is empowering and transforming lives. Mm. 
and your prayers and giving making people to come to know the living god and 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 we are grateful to you and we are thankful to you and continue to pray for us i just uh, echo what these guys have told us today and uh, you need to hear it, it is a privilege for us to be able to partner with you and, and like you said ben it's a global church and so you, you get to be the hands and feet of christ in partnership with our church and so we get to be a part of those ministries and, and life change uh, with it. But you need to know our commitment. We will be praying for you guys. We, we wanna continue to support. I think maybe some people watching this today will wanna step up in a new way uh, in supporting. I, I'd also challenge you as well. Um, the reason God's using these men and using this ministry so much is they do step out by faith. They do believe there's purpose in all of what they do, whether it's their jobs, whether it's their skills, whether it's their neighbors. And we have that same opportunity here, Venture. We have the opportunity to reach the Bay Area, to reach our neighbors, to use our jobs as a platform for ministry. And so I just hope today, maybe not only hearing about what God's doing in India and what we can do there, but God may be giving you a vision for how he could use you and how he can use us here and, and together we can see the kingdom spread for the glory of Christ. That's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And you need to know that as a church, uh, we went ahead and sponsored all those Bibles they needed to send out uh, with the church planners. Yeah, we, we wanted to be a part of that. Hey, before we walk out today, you know me, I can't leave you with a little bit of preaching. I want, to, I want us to look back at our initial verse and look at the questions Paul asks. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and how beautiful are the feet. But then he asks them real practical questions. If everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? How's anybody ever gonna call on Jesus unless they actually believe in Jesus? And then he asks another question in verse 14. He says, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Who is ever gonna believe in Jesus if they hadn't heard about him? And I hate to break it to you, there's still 3.3 billion people on this planet who are unreached, who haven't heard. Look at the next question he asks with that. How can they hear about him unless somebody tells them. Somebody's got to take the message. That, that was the question that haunted William Carey. You know, anytime we talk about India, anytime we talk about missions, I always think about William Carey, who in the 1600s was a little shoemaker who barely had enough money to be able to put food on the table for his own kids, but he was haunted by the question of who is telling the people around the world that have not heard. And he kept talking about it, and India captured his heart. And everybody thought he was crazy. Like you're a little shoemaker, but you know what he would do at night? He'd study Greek, he'd study Hebrew because he thought maybe one day I could translate into another language. He started studying Captain Cook's travels around the world. He wanted to be prepared and he finally convinced somebody to send him to India. And he began a ministry there. And it wasn't just the ministry there, it was his call to the rest of the world because the church wasn't sending missionaries. And he, he was haunted by that question, how are they ever gonna know if somebody doesn't go tell them? You know, Paul has one last question he puts in here. 
How are they going to hear about him unless someone tells them? And then he says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? No one goes unless somebody sends. And Venture, one of the things I love about this church, I love that we are a people, and it's been part of our heritage for decades. You are a people who are passionate about how do we send this gospel message outward from our doorstep through the neighborhoods to the nations and to the world. I love how William Carey put it. He talked about the rescue mission. He would tell people, I'm willing to climb down if you're willing to hold the ropes. I'll be the guy that goes over the edge, but I need somebody to hold the ropes. And so maybe you're asking, why do we every year stop again and not only celebrate what God's doing around the world, but ask each of us, and as you look through this and as you pray through this and we ask you, and I know that everything's tight right now, everybody's feeling that, we feel it in our normal budget in the church. But we ask you to pray, God, what are you calling me to give over and above regular giving? Because I want to be a part of that. I want to hold the ropes. And so over the next few weeks, would you take some time and pray through this? Pray through what your commitment would be by faith for next year. Pray through how God's leading you because it's the money that we use out there with all of those partners. Maybe you're here and you go, yeah, I like a personal connection too and I'm with you. And so that's why last year, Lee and I, we took on a sponsorship of one of the students in India. And so we've got a young woman named Barty that it's only $40 a month, but it enables her to go to school and get a uniform. And here's what I love about it. There's a Christian pastor who mentors her as well. And so we've, we've sponsored other orphans through the years. You start collecting them. But when this one came along, you just went, man, I want to personally be a part of that. And maybe that's you today. There's a table out there. We've got more students. They'd love for your personal connection and your sponsorship through that. I don't know what God's calling you in this, but I'm telling you, he's calling us to hold the rope. We are uniquely blessed. We are uniquely gifted. We have a unique heritage of doing this. And like uh, Saji and Ben, we're dreaming of a vision in the future. And we as people by faith are gonna step out into it as well. Hey, I'm gonna conclude our service today just praying for us, praying that God uses these few weeks to maybe renew our hearts and freshen our vision in a brand new way. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for this uh, series. I always love it every year. I love getting to see what you're doing. That's what all of these stories are about. They're about you. You are living, you are active. You are, you are showing up in some of the most desperate places with the gospel. Lord, we pray that we would continue to be a part of it. Thank you for the heritage of this church. Thank you for the many who are sitting and hearing this today, those who are hearing it online that have supported faithfully. Lord, I pray that you'd stir in our hearts with a fresh vision of faith in what you're calling us to give and where you're calling us to go. Lord, maybe there's somebody sitting out here today that you're stirring in their hearts because they not only want to be the one who sins, they also want to be sent. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for our partners. And we lift this all in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. 
To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.